Well, several months back, uh, pastors and I, we sat down and said, okay, what, what do we want to do for Mother's Day and Father's Day this year? And we've done a lot of different things over the years, and some of you have shared your stories about your mothers, and some of those have been beautiful examples. Some of those have been heartbreaking examples. And through all of that, um, we believe that the Lord has used those stories to help and guide and draw people to Jesus. And so as we kind of spent some time praying over and talking about this, we decided let's bring some moms up and just have them share about what it's been like following Jesus in the highs and lows of motherhood and in the different seasons of motherhood. So you have before you four wonderfully beautiful creatures of God that serve God as mothers, but also as wives. And it was really a cool story. Joe did not have a choice, uh, pretty much. Uh, you may know Joe Ellen Driggs. She serves on staff here as our financial secretary. And we twisted her arm a little bit, but we said, for Josh or Matt or Stan or I to sit up here and lead this discussion, that would not have worked. So we're like, we need, we need a, a woman who can come up and really kind of guide this. And so Joe has agreed to do that, uh, a grandmother and mother and her own right. And so they're going to share with us today. And these stories aren't about perfection. These stories are, are not about anything about them. What their heart is, is that as we've talked, they all were like, yeah, we, we want to share some things that will hopefully help not just you mothers and grandmothers, but also will help you dads and fathers as you look to how you can support your wife and encourage your wife and the mother of your children. But also for you kids, some of you young ladies who are thinking about the day down the road of becoming a mother, we hope what you'll see and understand through this is the need for Jesus in your life and for him to guide and direct you. So I'm going to turn it over to Joe. You are in for a treat today. They did a wonderful job in our first service. And so, Joe, I'm going to turn it over to you and let you introduce the gals. Okay. I'm going to pray for you first. <clears throat> Please do. I was had say. that look like, pray for me. <laughs> We learn those things after a while as pastors. You kind of get the own sense of that. So, Father, I pray for Joe and Carla and Sharon and Amanda, Lord, that you would just speak through them today. Let their stories be a testimony of your faithfulness and your love. And may most of all, God, this be a time of encouragement for mothers and grandmothers sitting here today. And may we all realize not only our need for you, but the incredible greatness of walking with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Yes, when I was called into the uh, pastor's meeting, it felt like going to the principal's office, but, uh, and maybe that would have been easier. But anyway, but then they also shared the names of the ladies who they were going to ask to share this morning, and I got more and more excited as time went on. Um, I have relationship with each one of these sweet ladies, and I think you'll just totally enjoy their stories. Um, I worked with Carla when Carla had her very first job before she was a mother. And uh, in fact, that's when she stopped working with us was when she became the mother. And I'm very excited for you to hear her story. Uh, Sharon and I go way back. We also work together at a different job. And um, she actually is the one that introduced Lou and I. So as I told first service, most of the time I'm very happy about that. <laughs> so, <laughs> and then there's Amanda, sweet Amanda, 
who uh, I work with, Josh, who has gotten me out of many uh, grumpy moods and things like that. So I'm real, very excited of, uh, for all of you to hear their stories. And the first part that we're going to share is we are going to celebrate some struggles and some joys of motherhood so far and how God has moved during that. We had those two separated, but as we got together and just talked about what we were going to do today, we found out that they really go together. So we're going to have the joys and the struggles of motherhood first thing. And Carla, would you start us out? Um, I'm Carla Clark. Um, my husband and I, Johnny, we've been married 26 years. Uh, we have six children. Um, Dara is 23. She's married to Joseph Schmidt. They've been married almost four years. And then down the line, boys, um, Justin is 19, Wesley is 18, Aaron is 15, Jacob is 13, and Mary, as we call the bookends, the girls are the bookends, she's seven. So in that, with the varying ages, mothering has been <laughs> wonderful, joy, struggle, challenges. Um, when, when I think back to um, when the older kids were younger, very much uh, one diaper changed at a time, one meal to the time, you know, just back and forth. Uh, I was the only one who could tie shoes right, the only one I could cut up food right, and it was very needed. It was very much my job, hands-on, um, and, and that was a joy in that aspect. It was overwhelming at times, but that's, that's what I did. And then along, those, you know, along with that, we started homeschooling our, the kids. So not only were we, you know, was primarily the responsibility for taking care of them on a daily basis, but then I added the school in there too. And there was a lot of um, pressure, not necessarily from anybody else, but on myself to be, perf you know, oh, I'm doing all this. It's this perfectionism. We have this, and we've got to make sure this. And if I do A and B, then C will naturally happen, of course. You know, and everything will just line up perfectly. And then they started growing up. <laughs> you realize, oh, these are gifts from God, and they're not my little moldable clay pieces that I can make them do whatever we want. And there's a, a, a Todd Wilson is a homeschooling father, but also does speaking around and does a lot of um, conferences. And he had this one, um, this book, it's called uh, Lies Homeschooling Moms Believe. And one of the comic strips that's in there is this picture of this mom and dad and all their kids in this little line, you know, all dressed perfectly. Well, then they show the backside, and it's just all cardboard cutouts. <laughs> so it's like, okay, this is not real. This is, you know, and, and it's just the, um, you know, that interaction of day-to-day. -day. And one of the things we were talking about is um, in our meeting when we were first starting to talk about this, that, you know, this was, well, this is what I wanted, and this is how I wanted it to happen, and that God was definitely going to bless everything I did because, you know, I was doing it for him, but it's how I wanted. And there was a quote that I, um, I read. It says, whatever you hold tightly to, God will require of you. And I, that realization that, okay, these are not my children. These are God's. I have to hold them with open hands. They are mine to guide, to direct, to encourage, to love, but they're not my little possessions or my little, you know, things that I get to control. And um, 
Chuck Swindoll, he has a whole series on biblical parenting, and one of the sermons, it's my favorite, is called Baby Has the Bents. So they naturally have this bent towards, towards evil. They're not, you know, they're not born these perfect little um, saints. <laughs> but we, and we don't want to break that will. We don't want to, but we want to bend them. We want to help point them towards Christ. Everything that we do, it needs to be that, that pointing them. And so... Um, Motherhood now, and so that's the younger years and working with them. Now, um, as the older kids, you know, they are older, um, we were discussing it, and Dan kind of gave the illustration of, as my motherhood job is wearing different hats. I have to, you know, when I'm interacting with the older kids, it's more of coming alongside, it's, it's giving advice when asked. I try to do that. <laughs> I don't always do that really well. And, but learning to let them to be independent adults, you know, they have to make those choices and not always picking them up when they make a mistake, letting them learn those, those issues. But then in the other sense, you know, the other hat that I wear is very much hands-on still with, you know, Aaron and Jacob and Mary. It's, it's that interacting when Mary acts up or if somebody acts up, it's like, why can't you, I did this already. I've already gone through this. Why can't you just learn from the other ones? Why do I have to keep teaching? But, but then that's where, you know, I realized that God has extended his grace to me. I've screwed up so many times. I apologize to my kids. Okay, this, I'm sorry I acted this way. And, and you know, those, those blow-ups that you have or those interactions that are not at all godly, you have to be willing to say, okay, God, thank you for forgiving me. Please, children, forgive me for this. And, you know, just, uh, there's so many aspects of it. And, you know, it's, there's so many joys. There's a lot of times where I'm just... Uh, I'm tired, I don't, wanna, I don't wanna correct again, or I don't wanna do this. But the kids, they need, um, you know, they need us to be strong. They need us to be godly. They need us to be good examples. And, um, you know, it, the study we were talking about, our, our um, relationship with Christ during those times um, of growing, you know, raising the kids. And I feel like when the children, when they were younger, I was more regimented and I was very detailed. and. But then it was almost like, was this really, was, this, was it just another list, another thing I could check, check off, or was I truly calling out to Christ? And then in those older, as the kids have gotten older, it is, it's just, okay, God, I need you. I, I need your help. Mm-hmm. I can't get through this without your help. Thank you. Thank you very much, Carla. And mm-hmm. as we uh, go through struggles and joys, let's... Uh, Hear from Sharon for the next ones and how God is really part of this. I am actually just going to share my story of infertility. And um, I am going to use the pronouns I, me, my, because that's the way I'm going to talk. But just to let you know, Mike, who we've been married for 42 years, is involved in this story as well. Um, So... um, Anyway, I'm going to take nine years and put it into just a few uh, minutes. And basically, when we were going through this, it was not a topic that you heard about very much. It wasn't discussed. There wasn't much literature about it. So I felt like we kind of um, went through that kind of alone. But in that five years, I had, there were five surgeries that I was, that I had, lots of medication, daily injections, countless doctor's appointments. And as I think back, I avoided situations. 
I wouldn't go to baby showers. I wouldn't go to baby dedications. I avoided people. I avoided the baby aisle at the grocery store, you know, just because I felt like I had to. Um, I didn't come to church on Mother's Day. I dealt with some depression and some deep depression. I felt I dealt with grieving, constant disappointments. And so, and I actually, in 1981, and I wrote this down in my Bible, and I went back to check just to make sure it was still there, you know. Um, I finally gave up control. And I dated this in my Bible, and I wrote it down to make it official that I would be content with whatever God had for me. Whether I would get the title of mom or not, that was going to be his decision now. Um, and then I can actually remember I was driving north on 127 going home. I was listening to WFCJ, and there was somebody on WFCJ talking about adoption. I pulled the car over, and being a teacher, I always have a pencil and paper. <laughs> so I wrote down the information that they were talking about, and I knew at that moment that that message was for me. So Mike and I decided to follow the path of adoption, which now consisted of paperwork, endless paperwork, home visits where they came and checked our garbage and how did we keep our garbage and, you know, yeah, things like that, that, you know, it was not for the faint of heart, that's for sure. So the next two years, I continued to, you know, follow the medical path and continued to have more surgeries. And um, we actually, once we contacted the lawyer, we had two adoptions fall through. And um, then again, more grieving because of that. But then because of the loving sacrifice of two women in 1983, See, now I'm crying. It's hard to think that. Our first son was born, Adam, who is 34. And then in 1985, our second son was born. And then, you know, the two greatest joys of my life came out of very intense struggle. Um, and then out of that intense joy came struggle. Um, <laughs> You know, and I mean, I was a little older. I was an older mom, so I um, didn't have the time to prepare. As a matter of fact, when we adopted our second son, I didn't even tell this first service, um, I was walking out the door to go to work, and the phone rang, and a baby boy had been born. Okay. And I remember taking Adam, he, Holly, my sister-in-law, was watching him, and I walked in her house, and I'm like, I'm a mom. And it's like, what do you want to name him? And she's like, we, and we just named him as I was walking out the door. So <laughs> um, anyway, that's, that's kind of the way that happened. But um, be, then because of joining the adoption community, we were able, through our lawyer then, to keep two pregnant teenagers, um, 1984 and 1986, two different times, and we agreed to keep them because they had decided to give their babies up for adoption. That's not why we did it. We did it because they chose not to abort their babies. We wanted to give them all the support that they needed to do that. Well, they actually did. I went through labor and delivery with both of them. They actually did give their babies up for adoption, which was actually their choice. Um, but I guess... The one thing I want to come out of this story of mine was um, 
that you can become a mom in a lot of different ways. And whether it's, um, you know, I actually, I felt like I was a mom to these two teenage girls and, you know, I became a mom through adoption. And then as a teacher, I felt like I was a mom to a lot of children. So it just, you know, God has a different plan for each family and God makes families in so many different ways that um, just to rejoice in that. And I, now I have two sons, they're adults now, very, very different, very different as night and day. And um, they're very good friends now. And I just, I, you know, just really praise God for that. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Sharon. Thank you. Okay, okay Amanda. Tissues. Give us a few things about, yeah. Thanks for ready. So I became a mama uh, three years ago when we had Lily. And it has brought so much joy to my life. Um, however, maybe not for the reasons that you would think. So let me explain. Um, part of Sharon's story is about infertility. And, and Josh and I, which again, like her, I will use first-person pronouns and talk about myself. Um, but he was with me through everything. And, and he is an amazing man. I am so thankful for him. Um, just thank you. So we struggled with infertility for about three years, and we um, finally were able to conceive Lily, and then it was a very quick eight months until we got pregnant again. So I thought it would take a little bit longer, but nope, it was right there. So uh, we were going to have three kids under two in one household, and oh heavens, I maybe wasn't ready for that. Um, Carla understands a lot of kids in one house. Um, and you know, our story continues, um, the boys were born, uh, Owen was first and then Judah and they were born early. They came, uh, six weeks and, um, a couple days after birth, they found something amiss with Owen and what was a heart murmur one moment became heart failure and a confirmed diagnosis of Down syndrome. My mom is crying. <laughs> um, a confirmed diagnosis of Down syndrome the next. And our life shattered. I don't know how you wrap your mind around your life changing in just a millisecond, but it did. And so we had a choice. Do we follow the Lord in this new plan? Albeit completely and utterly different than what we had first imagined it to be. Or will I reject it? Reject seeing it as a gift. Reject it as something not from a good father. And uh, choosing to follow the Lord is difficult. Partially because it asks so much of you, but also because it's painful. Um, in John chapter 6, there are thousands of people flocking around Jesus and they, they see his miracles and they believe in his authority and then he tells them about, what it, about the commitment that it's gonna require to follow him. And he says, whoever eats of my flesh and drinks of my blood remains in me and I in him. And they scattered. They said, this is too difficult of a teaching and they never followed him again. And I realized that's where I was. That's the crossroads I found, I found myself. It was Jesus saying, 
This is what it's going to cost to follow me. And I said, it's too difficult. It's just too difficult. Um, I wasn't ready to have my life turned upside down. And I wasn't ready to have a child with Down syndrome. But there I was. And I wasn't ready. But Jesus knew that. He was ready. And he knew I needed the journey. So I had these babies in my arms in the hospital, a toddler at home. I had no idea what God was going to do, but I had enough foresight to know it was going to be a lot. And for the past year and a half, God has been shining a light on one area of my life or another that he just wants to strip away. And I know that, again, that doesn't sound like joy. I know that. It sounds like pain. And the refining process is painful because fire hurts. But um, I think what actually was a bit more painful was the surprise at how deep my sin went. The Holy Spirit has used motherhood and, and more specifically Owen as of late to really crack open the very core of my identity. And what I have found is an attachment to the world that is so strong, yet so hidden that it's remained unnoticed for most of my life. And I'll just give you a little bit of an example. Um, I didn't realize how much I struggled. No, let me say this. I didn't realize how much I cared about image until I saw how much I struggled with some of Owen's characteristics that stem from that extra chromosome. And I didn't realize how much value I placed on intellect until I've had to come face to face with Owen's cognitive delays. And um, this one has been really painful. I didn't realize how much I cared about how other people viewed my life until I had a life that people probably didn't want anymore. My heart is riddled with attachments like these. And I, I hate it. I hate how deep sin has found its way in my soul. Um, but before I go on, I want to make sure you hear me say, it's not motherhood that's caused me pain, and it's not Owen that has caused me pain, and it's not Down syndrome that has caused me pain. My pain has come at the realization of how deeply I love this world around me and, and the grip that it has on my life. Motherhood and having a child with Down syndrome is actually the joy that I've been talking about, which I know sounds kind of weird, but, but these are the very works of God that have changed me from the inside out. And I love, I love that when, when I look at who I was a year and a half ago and three years ago, I'm not that woman. I am becoming more like Christ. And that is joyful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, being a mother, it is, it is, it's painful, and we put these hopes, and we put these expectations on ourselves, and I love what Carla said, because I was, I bought in that hook, line, and sinker. If I, I mean, I was a psychologist in, it, you know, in my studies, and so, like, if you, positive reinforcement, negative reinforcement, you will get the attitude or behavior you desire, and that just does not happen with kids. <laughs> so, <laughs> I know, um, and, and it, 
it's just that you have to let go, and, and you do. And so all those hopes and expectations that I had for my, that I put on having a family, the Lord burned up in the fire of refinement because in light of eternity, they're worthless. Um, and so the things that I would have considered sorrow, what the world considers sorrowful, infertility. No one's like, I am gonna choose to be infertile. No one really goes out and says that. That's not the joyful choice of life. But, but the Lord took those. He took infertility. He took Down syndrome. He took having a child that has health complications. And he has made them our joy because they are the conduit that is bringing us nearer and becoming more like Christ every day. And I think when you look at our life, and, and I do, I talk about pain, and, and sometimes I really struggle that my story you see this pain, and, and I do speak of it, but I say it only in the context so that you also understand where the wonder of our family comes from. Mm-hmm. On an average day, would, for those of you who know Lock and Grin, we live right um, across from the marina, and um, I should close my blinds more, but we don't. And so you can just look right in, and, and we spend our afternoons dancing, we have dance parties, we are running and jumping off furniture, probably if it's Lily. And you know, it's a lot of fun, and there is so much joy in our house, and there's also tears. I have, real, I have bad days, and I mm-hmm. get angry. Um, kind of a quick fuse, and the Lord is really trying to just open those hands up to letting that go. But there's also, there's room for confession and there's room for reconciliation and healing in our family. And at at the end of those average days, if I can look at my life and say, I have followed Christ well today, that is a successful day. And ultimately, that's the example I wanna leave as a mother. You will have pain in this life, especially if you follow the Lord. He will lead you into painful experiences. But he also has the power to turn that sorrow into joy Mm -hmm. because the more you follow him, the more you look like him. And truly, there is no better joy in this world than when God looks at you and he sees his son. And that's where I'm at right now, just a journey of looking more like Christ in motherhood. Thank you, Amanda. Wow. Well, I told them in first service that I'm going to do it again. I uh, was kind of led to a couple of songs that um, I'll tell a little bit about my story in a minute, but um, it's kind of led to a couple of songs that just carried me during um, some really downtime. But it just spoke so much to what everyone has said here so far today. But it's called If I'd Had My Way. I can't tell you how many times I sat on the floor listened to this and just let it rip. But okay, if I'd had my way about it, I'd have danced in grassy fields and fragrant meadows, risen in the morning just to hear the robin's lovely melody. I'd have rested in wide places, high above the herding places, and found a cross that asked much less of me. Never sailed in raging wind of troubled sea. If you'd seen it best to leave it up to me. But if I'd had my way, I might have been wading through the river 
when you wanted me to walk on the sea. And if I'd had my say, all of my wants and whims and wishes, you knew how weak and how shallow I would be if I'd had my way. If I'd had my way about it, I'd have known only your majesty and your glory. And I'd pass that cup of sorrow to somebody else more willing to receive it. I'd have written lovely phrases, inspiring lofty praises, and soared above my own humanity. Wounded wouldn't die, and hearts wouldn't bleed, if all along you'd left it up to me. I, though, trust your wisdom over mine, because you've proven over time that my narrow way of seeing things I leave the best behind sometimes. And I might not have stayed as close if I had my way. Many of you know my story. I'm going to really make this really brief because I'll be blubbering all over the stage if I don't. Oh, I'm sorry. See, there, there I go again. I'm sorry. Um, I can't... These ladies up here on the outside appears that they've done everything right. Um, I, that was the outside appearance. I mean, honestly, until you get into knowing what's behind it all. I, on the other hand, everything I did that was a screw-up was out there for everybody to see. Um, last week, Dan talked about divorce. I've been there. First of all, I uh, married an unbeliever and uh, lived through a lot of things that, if I'd have been equally yoked, that would not have happened. Uh, still didn't desire a divorce, but that happened. And um, I'll just tell it. I don't know where Lou's setting at this point in time, but I remember, uh, <laughs> I shouldn't have asked. <laughs> okay. Anyway, uh, part of my story is, uh, God, do you really want me to be a single mother for the rest of my life? I was willing to do that, if that's what I was supposed to do. But I made out this list. If you want me to remarry, these are the things he's got to have, okay? <laughs> Lou and I make many jokes about what I left off and what <laughs> I should have asked, you know. But anyway, it's, God is good. He's a restorative God. Man, if this was his will that he allowed in my life, um, what would it have been like if it was a perfect will? Because I've had a very wonderful, beautiful life that God has granted, even, you know, with making many, many, many wrong decisions. <clears throat> um, Beth Moore tells a story about being in a pit, sometimes you fall in it, sometimes you're pushed into it, and sometimes you just jump in it. And I think I've had all of those kind of things, but God's still the restorative God that brings you out of the pit and puts you on those high places. And I am very happy that he does that. I'm very grateful. And um, this is the part I'm going to really go real fast over. Um, Lou and I had a son at, at age 15 was killed in an accident. 
And um, it has been quite the uh, adventure in that one too, but it is still part of my story. Mm -hmm. Mm. It is still part of God's restoring Mm -hmm. through all of that. And um, this is the other one that I wrote down. This is the one I was looking for when I found the other one for Amanda. (laughs) And uh, I I can't tell you how many times, uh, obviously, since I love music, and um, that's how God really has spoken to me many, many times over the years. But I, I still, to this day, hear people who have known me all along this journey who just kind of raise me up a little bit like I... I've done something, I haven't. And this speaks to that. Insufficient for the task, (laughs) I will always be. I can't lift a single finger without your grace to strengthen me. Who am I to think that I could hold my own? And heaven knows I'm not alone. You carry me. You point the way. You steady my feet, you hold my hand. You are the strength of who I am. The world down here may think I'm strong, but they're wrong. You carry me. There are times I've felt alone, seemed I've called, but no one came. I couldn't sense the hand of heaven, but I know you were there just the same. Anybody else been there? In the darkest moments of my life, I believe you hold me tight, and you carry me. You point the way, you steady my feet, you hold my hand, and you are the strength of who I am. The world down here may think I'm strong, but they're wrong. You carry me. Okay, ladies, (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Seriously, you're going to make me talk now? (laughs) Okay, Carla can't talk right now, let's see. (laughs) No. I need to blow my nose. (laughs) We have a couple of minutes to give encouragement, honestly, folks. We've talked about some really tough stuff here today. But God is the strength of who we are. God is the one. He is the one who gets us through all of this. And no matter what you're going through, motherhood or not motherhood, he's the one. We had talked about um, ways that we could encourage or things we could say. And the one thing... um, at, at no point along this journey have I been, you know, I might have in the younger, when the kids were younger, said, oh, I got this thing figured out. You know, I know what I'm doing, yeah. But now it's like, no, we don't. As a mother, we don't have this figured out, nor should we ever portray that to anyone. Nor is my job done. Um, there's still a need for me to be a strong, godly mother. Um, my roles have changed a little bit, and now I'm more of an encourager, a confidant. I'm still, you know, a comforter. Cook, of course, you know. <laughs> I don't know that I'll ever get rid of that job. But I, after we had our meeting, um, I opened an email, I think it was, and the title on there, uh, the very first thing, it was, it's a quote, it says, the goal of parenthood, and I put in motherhood, is to raise children to be independent of you and dependent on God. And that's, that's my takeaway from this. You know, we, we need to look to um, look to the Bible, of course, for encouragement. If you feel like you are struggling, there is so many good books, godly, godly instruction. Um, 
Emerson Egrich, um, Love and Respect for the Family. I mean, it's a great book. Um, there's uh, Parenting, Paul David Tripp, Shepherding Your Child's Heart. There's so, I mean, if you need that encouragement, you really, you just need reasons to, okay, God, I need your help. I, I just don't know how I can get through this. And just, just use those resources that are available for that encouragement. <laughs> My nose is dripping bad. <laughs> Thank you, Carly. I think I would say um, one encouragement is one of the things I learned from my mom was I know she daily prayed for her children and her grandchildren. And that would be my encouragement. As a matter of fact, when she passed away, my sisters and I were just, that was one, that was a very hard thing to accept that she wasn't going to be there to pray for us anymore. So it was like, what are we going to do? We just can't, be, what are we going to do? Um, so I would encourage you to pray for your children and grandchildren. And because of my situation, um, I spent a lot of years feeling like a failure. And because of that, I didn't ask for help from people, especially after we adopted the boys, because I didn't feel like I should or could. But, and I would encourage you as young mothers and or whatever stage you're in, to, uh, to ask for help, to find somebody you can ask, an older woman or somebody who, who can just say, it's okay, it's okay, just ask somebody, don't ever be afraid. I was afraid to do that because I didn't feel like I had the right to do that. And give yourself lots of grace. Being a mother, mm -hmm. I'm also a grandmother, it's hard. And give yourself grace, God's grace is sufficient. And no matter if you're a mom or you're not a mom, we, because of what Jesus did, we are all daughters of the king. And I wish I would have had that or accepted that truth earlier, especially when going through, the, going through what I went through. So, but you know, we are all daughters of the king because of what Jesus did. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Sharon. Um, so for the mamas out there of little ones, um, I would say when it comes to spending time with God, it is rarely a quiet experience. Um, there is no, you know, before babies, it was like, oh, here's my carved out quiet time. That does not exist right now. Um, and, you know, I, I jokingly call it the toddler grind because that's my life. Like, everything is just about toddlers and food and diapers and potties. So anyway, um, <laughs> but I will say there may not be another time like this. Um, I feel like Carly could probably speak a little bit better on it, but every time is probably so unique. This time, what I love about it is every single interaction I have with my kids, God can be included in. Mm -hmm. So whether it's meal times, whether it is talking about fears or discipline or um, interactions with friends and siblings. Um, I mean, even Lily, she'll talk about Jesus when she remembers friends and family that aren't on earth anymore. I mean, there is just not a topic that Christ cannot be included in at this age. And I think, you know, it is difficult. And, but I've been so thankful because even in the frustrating moments, God has been changing my perspective. Um, the other day, Jude and I were in a battle of the wills and he refused to eat whatever I had made. And it was like food was on the wall and the floor and everywhere except in his mouth, which is where it was supposed to be going. And, um, and I thought, 
Uh, if someone would just take over mealtimes, I'll do playtime. Like, doesn't that <laughs> sound so much nicer? <laughs> but then I realized that there's this honor in being that consistent person in their life that does discipline mm -hmm. and praise, that they come to know and trust. That's a really wonderful place to have in a child's heart. And I, I know that for mamas like me, we are in the thick of it, of, of parenting. But the true, the true potter, the one that made your baby in the womb, he's got this. And so I would say, make your passion the Lord and make your, your daily to-do to be to follow, to follow him and let him lead you, let him lead you in the mundane, let him lead you in the ordinary. Because truly that's, that's our, that's my day. My day is like wake up, meal, potty, another meal, diapers, nap, please. And then <laughs> Josh is home, hallelujah. And you know, but this is the mundane. This is the everyday. Let the Lord lead you through that. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you all. Well, I hope you all had some encouragement. <laughs> um, beautiful, beautiful uh, life stories. Josh, I, I'm jealous because my wife never says hallelujah when I do. <laughs> I mean. That's so funny. <laughs> now, I'll tell you, tomorrow I guarantee what's going to happen when I walk in the door. She's going to come out. No, oh, I know. I didn't mean that against you. I just thought it was funny. Hallelujah, my hubby's home. So... We guys don't get that, maybe. There's our challenge, right? Now, my <laughs> wife, she, yeah, that was not against you, sweetheart. Um, one of the things I see happening in this church right now, and I absolutely love, and I, I know beyond a shadow of doubt, it's what drew us to this family, and it's what has kept us here over the years. It's not a job. It's the fact that what these, each of these women have communicated is that what God is doing here at ECOB, there's some churches that are all just young people. There's some churches that are just senior adults. But what I see happening here, and today was a demonstration of it, and I, I even think about my own kids and how each of you in different ways have invested in them. And I gave away a daughter last night. And one of the joys of that time was looking around and even as I stand here today and know how so many have invested in Susan as a mom, in me as a dad, in, in our kids. And that's been because we've been a part of ECOB. And so the multi-generational aspect of how we care for one another is huge. But that's not something we can program, church. We can't do that. That, that comes from our own hearts and relationship with Jesus. And I hope and pray that you were blessed by what was shared today. These gals were super ner nervous, and their goal was that you would see Jesus. And so I invite you, just as they echoed, is that don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't be afraid to lean on one another. But church, we have an incredible responsibility. Think about all the people in this community that don't have a church family, that don't know Jesus Christ. That's what the church is to be, right? So in all those places, those workspaces, the marketplaces, your neighborhoods, look for opportunities to care and invest. Because I know what you're going to do. You're going to point them to Jesus, and that's exactly what you should do. 
So let's thank them for sharing today with me. Here. So I'm going to invite Pastor Matt and Benjamin Allen. We're going to stand and worship. And I, I just pray during this time that um, you, you would use it as a time for, for thankfulness and gratefulness. And I know some of your stories um, are, 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 are heartbreaking. But remember that God is a redeemer of all. So let's stand and worship. <laughs> 